0: so much older am younger than that
1: now Hi everybody I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer and this is growing bolder it's a program in which we focus on the changing culture of aging by offering an entirely new narrative. You know what they say, you can't change the culture if you don't change the conversation, so that's what we do. We're proving that age is not a disease, it's an opportunity, one that we should all be grateful for, proud to achieve, and anxious to celebrate, and that's what we're just about to do. Over the next hour, you'll meet people and hear their stories, what they have to say will inspire you and convince you that the rest of the of your life really can be the best of your life. And that is fantastic. You know, how many other programs out there that bring you
0: that kind of positivity and inspiration? I can't think of another. Well, then let's let people know why today in particular is a great day. Can the community you live in actually improve your health? Well, the answer, folks, is yes. And you'll find out what a group of town leaders started that ended up dramatically lowering the incidence of diabetes in an entire town. And if we want clean water and clean air, it's up to us to fight for it. That's the message we'll get from environmental activist and consumer warrior Aaron Brockovich, who has just written the book Superman Is Not Coming. But first, is there a diet out there that can help prevent cancer get ready for a fascinating conversation with a physician known for his revolutionary theories of disease prevention through the foods we eat ordinary people living extraordinary lives it's time for growing bolder you probably have a pretty good understanding that the way you eat has an important effect on your health right Well, take that thought and amplify it more than you ever expected, because we're about to talk with one of the most interesting guys on the planet. He's Dr. William Lee, an internationally renowned physician, scientist, and author of the New York Times bestseller, Eat to Beat Disease, the new science of how your body can heal itself. So let's say hi to Dr. Lee. It is so great to have you here, because but this is a topic that has us all on the edge of our seats. Out of all the books you could have written, Dr. Lee, what was it about this one that drew you in?
2: Well, I, I you know, I'm a medical doctor, an M.D., I'm internal medicine, and I'm also a vascular biologist. I'm a research scientist. I've spent 30 years studying how blood vessels uh, work in our body. And I realized something uh, as I was going through my my work, and, and I've helped to develop 34 FDA-approved drugs for cancer, vision loss, and diabetes. And I realized, number one, that we spend way too much time treating disease, uh, the horse out of the barn, rather than preventing them. And number two, if you want to prevent uh, a disease, uh, you can't really use medicines, and there's no better approach than using food. However, uh, I recognized when I was seeing my patients who would always ask me, Uh, What should I eat, doc, after I gave them a prescription for something that I didn't have that answer. And this is about 10 years ago. And it set me on this journey to try to figure out what it is about foods that actually can help heal us. And it turns out it's not just about the food. It's about how our body responds to what we put inside it. And that's the secret that I wrote about.
0: Now, we hear that, and everybody gets set, will agree that, yeah, I know that what we eat makes a difference. What level are we talking about here? Is it food as powerful as medicine, less or more?
2: Right. Well, so, you know, I'm actually one of those researchers that actually is taking food as medicine seriously. And the way that I'm doing research, my own research uh, on food, is to put the food uh, in the same laboratory systems that drugs are developed with. In other words, we're really putting foods to the same challenge as drugs. And uh, one of the things that I wrote about in my book is how we um, tested cancer drugs and anti-inflammatory drugs and statins. And then we threw foods in the same system. And lo and behold, in many cases, the foods went head to head. And in some cases, beat the drugs themselves. And so this actually, you know, makes people take this idea really seriously. So let me tell you, let me give you an example of something everybody cares about right now. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Um, everybody is conscious about health in a brand new way. Now, it's not just about juicing, jogging and yoga. We want, we all want our immunity to be as strong as possible. And when it comes to immunity, for example, there is one food, uh, uh broccoli sprouts the baby broccolis these are three to four day old sprouts that contain a natural chemical called isothiocyanates or sulforaphane um, uh, that if you put them into a shake and this was done in a clinical study uh, and you gave it to people who are getting a flu vaccine as an example uh, people who had the vaccine and drank the shake so this isn't food versus medicine this is actually how foods can enhance medicines Drinking the broccoli shake improved immunity by 22 times. So this is not a small difference. That's an example of a big difference.
0: This is incredible. I mean, I, I, I don't think this is the kind of thing we can, pardon the pun, but digest all in one sittings here. So we're talking actually about possibly being able to prevent things like cancer, dementia, heart disease, Diabetes by what we eat is—is is it a complicated process, or can you just tell us some foods that we need to add that, that do make a difference?
2: Right. Well, so you know, look, um, the opposite of treating disease is preventing disease, and 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 one way to ask the question about cancer prevention, for example, is is or you know, not why we get cancer, but how come we don't get cancer more often? And that answer is that our body's health defenses. You know, our blood vessels prevent um, cancers from being fed. Our stem cell system kills cancer stem cells. Our microbiome, our gut bacteria, healthy gut bacteria, kills, um, uh, prevents cancer by lowering inflammation. Our DNA protection mechanism prevents mutations. And our immune system are an army of super soldiers that go around looking for cancer to get rid of them. So rather than just trying to throw the kitchen sink with chemo to kill the cancer, one of the interesting questions is, can we just boost our defenses, raise the shields as well in order to do that? Now, just giving you a couple of foods I think people will be interested in um, that have human evidence. So it turns out that tomatoes um, actually uh, and eating two to three cups of cooked tomatoes, a half cup serving a piece, can, uh, two to three times a week can lower the risk of prostate cancer by almost 30 uh, percent in men. And that's cooked tomatoes. Uh, that's, that, so that's a, a food with a known substance, lycopene, at a dose with a cancer that's been reduced, studied in humans. Soybeans, uh, soy foods, it showed 10 grams of soy protein, which is what you get in a glass of soy milk. You know, people have this misunderstanding that soy might cause breast cancer or make it worse for, for women who are at risk for breast cancer. turns out just the opposite. Soy um, a natural chemical in soy, Genistein, cuts off the blood supply feeding breast cancers. And a study of 5,000 women show that having 10 grams of soy protein a day lowers the risk of death from breast cancer by about 30 percent. So that's just a couple of examples um, of foods that are uh, useful against cancer and some other surprises that I you know write about because I write about 200 foods. My approach is not about cutting foods out of your diet which I think there's plenty of books to do that. I wanted to actually say how do we lean into our diet to find the foods that we already love and, and appreciate what mother nature has loaded into her, you know, um, her chamber as bullets against disease or as fuel for health. And, and a, a surprise that I found, for example, is that purple potatoes um, kill uh, uh, colon cancer stem cells. Like we can't even do that in pharmaceuticals, but we can do it using purple potatoes. It's pretty amazing. So, so, so to help me with your philosophy
0: here, does that mean that if somebody would get colon cancer you would prescribe like a purple potato every 4 hours like a medicine or are these things that we should cre- you know modify our diet to include now to
2: yeah. keep from getting it down the road yeah the the nice thing about diet is that we start early in life meaning as soon as we come off of breastfeeding we're eating food so this is actually an opportunity that is not our choice, but it's our parents' choice. So anybody with young kids uh, should really think about how they're shaping the future of their child. And anybody, who, uh, and by the way, that that's a gift that keeps on giving because then you teach them to teach to pass it on, uh, to their kids. So eating healthy um, uh, to support our health defenses starts when we're young, helped by our guided by our parents, and then continues throughout our life. And uh, what I think is that if we spent more time thinking about what we could add to our diets, that is health defense boosting, we would um, spend less time thinking about the junky food and what we should be cutting out, leaning into the the cultural foods that already contain these. So all of us come from someplace and all of us resonate with foods from someplace. Some people like Italian food, some people like Chinese food, some people like Japanese food. Doesn't really matter where you're from. The reality, the reality is is that if you take a look at the more than 200 foods in my book, you will find something that you like. And what I say is start with that food, and you're already ahead of the game in terms of health. How much do you um, uh, eat? Actually, it's not about eating more is more. This is another kind of um, easy misinterpretation in the healthy food world is, well, we tell you pecans are good. You should just do nothing but stuff your face with nuts. Actually, diversity, eating a variety regularly over time is actually what pays off to our health our body loves to have variety that is indeed the spice of not just life but health
1: You're listening to our conversation with Dr. William Lee, a globally renowned doctor of internal medicine, on ways that we can close the gap between medical treatment and nutrition. Right after this short break, we'll ask him to tell us what foods we should add to our diets that will have the greatest impact on our health. Stick around. This is Growing Boulder.
2: Support for Growing Boulder provided by
0: Florida Blue Medicare. Turning 64 is a time to celebrate as new adventures and opportunities await. And 64 is also a time to think about Medicare. Growing Boulder created a guide that helps explain it all. Available for free at growingbolder.com slash medicare. Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingbolder.com slash TV for program listings and where to watch.
1: Hi, everybody. Mark Middleton here, and we want to get right back to our interview with the author of Eat to Beat Disease, Dr. William Lee. It was recorded a little earlier this past summer. We wanted to find out what kinds of foods we should start looking for at the supermarket that can actually help us prevent illness, fight disease, and stay healthy.
0: And one thing we're all thinking about, you brought it up even at the beginning of our interview here today, is it possible to eat our way out of a
2: pandemic? Well one of the things that I think is so important for all of us to realize is that while we are waiting for a vaccine or better antiviral medicines and let you know let the let the researchers do their job uh, trying to help us dig out of this problem this whole gigantic hole we're in one thing that we can do is we can actually make decisions ourselves every time we go to the market grocery store every time we open a pantry look at the refrigerator look at our stovetop I mean one thing that's happened during the covid pandemic is that we've rekindled our relationship with our kitchen, and so this is an opportunity for us to actually eat good foods that boost our immunity naturally. So, for example, there's some foods like um, uh, that uh, improve vitamin C, so uh, which is important for uh, immunity. So, not just orange juice, but guava is an example, or good health gut for uh, gut gut health uh, to help our immunity. For example, uh, like pecans or pomegranate juice, uh, uh, or eating fish. You know, not everybody lives near the ocean, but even frozen fish with um, good oily fish with omega-3 fatty acids um, uh, are, are actually good for us. So even when we're stuck inside, which we're not stuck anymore, but even when we were, we started to realize we can make good, healthy decisions that can help our health, even while the doctors were helpless to be able to come up with a prescription. So this is actually an example where the tide has turned, the pandemic taught us that we can actually... Prescribe for ourselves. Isn't it funny that we kind of live in an era where uh,
0: eating better and eating more healthily is almost looked at with skepticism because we've all grown up thinking the only real medicine is pharmaceutical medicine and anything else is just kind of new agey feel good. Well, yeah, it won't hurt you kind of stuff. But you have scientific evidence to back up everything that you talk about in your book.
2: Yeah. Well, so, you know, look, I, I, I'm a scientist and a medical scientist, and I have been involved with developing medicines. I I spent 25 years in biotechnology. So my street cred, when it comes to research is that, look, I've helped to develop cancer drugs and and ways to actually prevent blindness and to heal wounds. Uh, So I don't pull any punches when it comes to the science. And so what I've done in my book is write about the same hardcore, required the same hardcore evidence for what I put in my book as I would in terms of drug development. Now, to get to our arms around something, we have to gather every clue that we can possibly get our arms around in order to understand it better. And this is where food as medicine is really going to start gaining traction already. Um, There's, you know, even even in Washington, on Capitol Hill, there are groups that are studying food as medicine.
0: Are we too cynical to... To think that, wow, you know you 've done some great work here, but it 's never going to catch on because there's no profit in it there's really nothing in it for you
2: from from your end well listen um here's here 's what I think I mean, first of all, when it comes to my own um reasons, I felt that writing about food to help support health has such immediacy I could not do anything except write a book about this. Because this is a way that if you read something, you hear something, you learn something. You know, B.B. King uh, said something really, had a really great quote, which is that, you know, the great thing about learning is that you can't forget once you hear it. And so this, is you know, food that is credible, food information is credible. um, You can act on the moment you hear about it. So I said something about tomatoes. I said something about soy. People can act on that right away. Whereas when you talk about drugs. It takes 10 years, a billion dollars is a big profit motive in it. And here's the thing about food. Everybody can find something they love on it. And by the way, it's not without profit motive because the farmer who's bringing it to the market and the market who's selling it to you or the restaurateur that's actually serving it to you uh, on a dish when you order a takeout or carryout these days, um, they're actually benefiting from the choices that we make. And so I would sort of say... um, it's a different kind of motive. It's a more humanistic motive. It it actually reaches us where we actually all understand inherently. And here's an opportunity for us to go back to our roots. I mean, I think that if there's anything that we're learning from this pandemic is that we need to get in touch with who we actually are and understand that our greatest vulnerability, our health, is something that we can do something about. These are fantastic points, and it's very
0: empowering to us as individuals to feel like, you know, it's not just fate, it's not just luck, but we have an active role in minimizing our chances of disease or maximizing our chances of recovery if and when something like that does happen. Is there a big difference when we go to the store? Is food okay the way it's processed, the way it's delivered, the way it's grown? Do we need to go organics or Do we all really need to start backyard gardening to get the best effects?
2: Right. Well, you know, these are these are the questions and discussions that are going all the time in the food world. Um, And and, and by the way, you know, we can come up with an ideal. Right. So the ideal is to treat Mother Nature properly, grow things organically, uh, eat locally, uh, sustainably. You know, all those things that we hear about and that we know probably are the best way if we could do them but on the other hand you know so many people um, uh, don't have easy ready access to good foods and you know but they do have access to junk and so I what I say is that you know recognize the foods that are healthy for you find out where you can get them access them and see find ways that you can actually eat them that you like if you can actually get to that point then you're at, at a point where you can actually start to choose, be a little bit more choosy. Um, uh, not only is it organic versus conventional, uh, not only is it local versus shipped, I mean, those are choices that can be made. But I can tell you, if you do a deep dive, like, like I've been doing, and I actually write about a little bit about this in my book, you can actually even go to the specific varietal. So what tomato in the summertime is actually healthiest uh, for our body? Well, it turns out all tomatoes are good. All tomatoes have lycopene, but the San Marzano tomato from Italy which you can get fresh, we can can get, I grew some in my backyard the other day, Um, you can get them canned and they still have the good stuff in them. Uh, 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 Or they come in a tube of paste, all good for you. So you can even choose the varietal of the food if you chose to go to that level. But I really try to get people at the starting block to say, look, um, recognize the great foods. There's more than 200 of them that I wrote in my book, Eat to Beat Disease. And then just see where you can find them. And that's the first step. This is just incredible. I
0: mean, this is so empowering. This is so exciting. Uh, and I know this interview is drawing to an end, and everybody's looking for their car keys now to run out to the grocery store to start shopping. Uh, what what should we grab? What's the What can we do right now, today, when we go to the store to start down the path to, to the right kind of eating?
2: Right. Well, look, um, uh, you know, in the United States, it's summertime. And I, I like to go with the seasons because Mother Nature tends to guide the healthiest foods substances in her uh, bounty uh, on a seasonal level, right? So right now, what do you what can you get in the summer? You can get um, stone fruit, uh, which are really great uh, to have. I just had an amazing peach um, uh, today. And by the way, when it comes to you know, the question about sugars, don't don't worry so much about them with their if they're naturally present in fruits because um, there's a lot of other good stuff that come along with the with the natural sugars. It's added sugars that's particularly bad. But stone fruit are really good. Uh, right now, the greens um, that you want to actually have, you know, there's great kale, broccoli, uh, all those sort of summer greens. um, I absolutely love tomatoes are uh, absolutely in season in the middle of the summer. Um, I, I I have a hard time, like, you know, just grabbing all the tomatoes that I love and cooking them into a sauce or finding ways to actually make them make dishes out of them. Uh, You know, by the way, it's not only in the produce section, although that's the best place to go, but even finding um, snacks like nuts, are pretty good. Pecans and walnuts are among the best in terms of fiber, which helps feed our gut bacteria defense system, as well as healthy omega-3s. And then if you wander over to the seafood section, you know, obviously people look at salmon. Um, What I would tell you is that uh, the omega-3 fatty acids that's healthy in salmon is present in the skin. And that's not the only place you can get omega-3s in the the seafood section. You can also get them in uh, manila clams uh, as well, and hake and other fish as well. So, Again, I think that um, we need to actually open our minds to the idea that Mother Nature has created this bounty for us to explore. And if we look at healthy foods as a joy, as something that we can just we can't wait to go out and explore and bring it back and turn it into something delicious for ourselves and our families. I think that we'll be able to actually create a new culture of eating that's closer to the culture where the healthiest populations around the world actually live well thank you for the great work that you've done for creating this
0: book for starting the conversation for bringing these things to our attention folks the book is a must-have it's called eat to beat disease and its author who you just heard from is the fascinating dr william lee so much more to learn and a good place to start is at his website dr william li dr william lee What an exciting interview. Folks, get out there. Take charge of your health.
1: Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Doctor Lee. Great information, and important to know that we really can make a difference by making the right choices. You know, one of the things he talked about that was also interesting was what he eats on a normal day. He said that for breakfast he likes coffee. In fact, coffee lovers will love this. He says coffee is a quote grand slam food because it activates all of the defense systems in our body. Berries do the same thing as does high fiber oatmeal, which makes makes me feel good I have it every morning for lunch he likes a salad with arugula Kale and spinach and maybe some black beans or lentils. For dinner, he says fish is great for fighting off disease, and this is where he says variety is important, so he recommends you try all different kinds of fish. He likes to serve it with whole wheat pasta, and he'll add some tomato sauce for the antioxidants. The keto people may find this curious, but he believes carbs are important disease fighters as well, as long as you're getting them from whole grains, beans, or even gut-friendly sourdough bread. Interesting information, something to consider from a renowned medical doctor, William Lee.
0: Up next, someone who grew so bold they ended up making a movie about her life. But you know what? She's not done yet. We're going to meet eco-warrior Erin Brockovich. This is Growing Boulder.
2: Support for Growing Boulder provided by...
0: The Alliance for Lifetime Income. Protected income from an annuity can help cover essential expenses in retirement, giving you the freedom to live the life you want. The right financial professional can show you how. Learn more at protectedincome.org.
3: And by
0: the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. What's it like to be 50, 60, 70, or even older? Well, if you ask, most people say something like, well, I feel pretty normal for my age. And that brings up an interesting question. What is normal as we age? Sometimes it's hard to know what really happens and what things are just myths. So here are some of the things you can expect that come with age. First, blood vessels and arteries do get stiffer over time, which means our hearts have to work harder to pump blood. It's why high blood pressure is so common. And here's what you can do about it. Stay active, exercise, keep your weight down, and try to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Second, you start having trouble with your eyesight. You might find you need reading glasses. Well, the same type of thing happens with our hearing, too. We become more sensitive and can struggle to hear conversations. And third, have you noticed any changes with your teeth and gums? Our mouths do tend to get drier, which increases the risk of tooth decay and infections. Dentists say you should brush twice and floss once a day to keep your mouth healthy. Fourth, once you hit your 40s and 50s, your bones do begin to weaken too. They become less dense and more brittle. This increases the risk of fractures, aches, and pains. Make sure you get enough calcium and vitamin D. You can get it from tuna and sardines and egg yolks and fortified foods such as milk. And do try to spend time in the sun because that can make a big difference as well. Finally, you'll probably notice the biggest changes in the bathroom. It can become difficult to control your bladder. Many people do experience leakage when they cough or sneeze. For women, it could be due to menopause. And for men, it could be signs of an enlarged prostate. Try to cut back on caffeine, alcohol, sodas, and foods that are high in acid. The bottom line, take your health into your own hands by eating right, Exercising and having regular checkups. It really does make a difference when it comes to knowing what's normal and what isn't. You'll find more information at com slash Medicare.
1: You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer. And if you ever thought about making a difference only to stop dead in your tracks, because after all, you have to be somebody to really affect change. Well, we've got proof that you are far more powerful than you might think. You know our next guest. You probably know her entire story, how she started off as a file clerk and ended up fighting back against major corporations, against poisons being dumped into our groundwater. Man, Mark, her story
0: is so inspiring that back in 2000, Hollywood made a movie about it. It was called Erin Brockovich, and you might remember that Julia Roberts Won an Oscar, a Golden Globe, and pretty much every other award out there just for portraying her. Something about her story touched something inside us all. Well, she's written an important new book, kind of a wake up call or a shot across the bow for us now. It's called Superman Is Not Coming. So let's say hi to Aaron Brockovich. How are you, Aaron?
3: Hey, good morning. I am good. How about you?
0: You know, we're all enduring and doing the best we can. You know, the movie may have ended, but you never stopped. You're still asking the tough questions, demanding accountability. You're trying to get all of us to do the same thing. So tell us a little bit about the book, Superman Is Not Coming.
3: Well, you know, um, you're down in Florida, which I find so interesting because – Florida is no stranger to uh, water and issues and how it can impact you. And I have seen time and time again, out of Florida, Superman's not coming. Uh, But many people in Florida have figured that out, that they themselves need to rise up. And it's 20 years' worth of work put into one book so people can understand how water works, uh, what they can do, where we're doing things wrong. Um, about policies but most importantly that you're the one that is experiencing your water issue that right there at a local level by just believing in yourself and being involved in your own local council you can't affect change so the message superman's not coming feels daunting but you know what it's not because we're here and you said something and we are waking up and we are realizing that again and we are, because we're seeing water prices everywhere, starting to respond.
1: Well, yours I- is a voice, Aaron, that, that we need to hear. Yours is a message that that is powerful, because I think you're right. You know, by nature, a lot of us just, you know, default to, well, someone else is going to take care of the issue that's bothering me, and someone else is going to vote. My vote really can't make a difference, and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, your point that Superman is not coming is great. And... You, however, are coming. You've really never stopped coming. And, you know, we hear that even 25 years after the movie about your life, uh, that ABC is now working on a TV series that's based on your life. What can you tell us about that?
3: Well, it's um, inspired by uh, Katie Seagal will be in it. Um, Andy Garcia will be in it. Um, and it's, you know, it's really everything that's in this book can come to life, Um through this legal drama series, we're all in this together. And every step of the way from the film, Aaron Brockovich to the book Superman's Not Coming and to um, ABC, it helps us to watch and see because in that moment, we'll look and realize I'm that person too. We're very visual. And I think that the film, the book, the series is something visual. That gives people a look, and to realize that is me. One of the things that fascinated me when the film first came out, I sat in the movie theater all by myself in a corner and watched everyone's reaction. And I listened to the comments. They're like, God, I wonder if it is us. Maybe maybe it already is. Well, it could be us. But I could be her. Well, I could do that. And, yes, that's exactly what I want all of us to realize. I don't know if we got comfortable and complacent or we, you know, out of false illusion, whatever it was, and we could sit and blame all day long, it's going to get us nowhere. The message is we are here, you see what's happening, and we can get involved. And, And this book is my invitation to you to take that first step and to realize you don't have to be that scientist or PhD to be aware and protect our most valuable resource, and that's our right to clean water.
0: Aaron, your, your, your cost touches us all. It's incredible. But you, there's something about you that, that just fascinates us, that motivates us, that makes us want to be more like you. I mean, you've been described as energetic and boundless, alert. Well, a couple of months ago, if you don't mind me saying so, I know that you turned 60 and you still seem to be the same person you were all those years ago. How empowering is it to be 60 and how does it help you differently than being 30?
3: Because there's more wisdom. And and I, I think through this process, it started for me as a little girl. I learned very early on because I have a learning disability that there was really no one there that was going to fix it. But it was going to be about the perception of myself and to know who I was and that Whatever was in front of me, I could push through, and I did. You know, you know I learned growing up, and I yes, I've been divorced. Maybe Prince Charming isn't coming either, but you know what? I'm here, and, and I've learned in these communities, and they've taught me too. While we may think something is going to save us, it is all about the power of ourselves. I love people. I believe in people. It hurts me that we've forgotten to believe in ourselves. I've learned that when I don't believe in myself, it doesn't feel good. I've seen that in communities. And we need to start empowering each other again and reconnecting with our environment again and stop so much about dragging ourselves down over the past stuff or angsting about the future. We're in a moment. Live it. See it. Breathe it. Be it. And that becomes empowering. And that in its will keep you going into tomorrow I do get tired I can't believe I'm 60 Uh, I can't believe I have four grandchildren I can't believe I started this work when I was 30 and we're still having the conversation today the time is really here now we can't just keep dragging this problem out listen we are inherently great the problem is we're not solution driven And we're in a wake-up moment, and we've been at a hard stop. And I think we're taking a hard look at what's really important and about we the people. And um, we've got to get past this perfection thing. We are human. We are flawed. But, yet we are great, and we live by this environment. And it just – every day it calls to me. I just – I can't help myself.
1: Well, we are all, you know, thankful that you answer the call because it is so difficult for so many of us, Aaron. You know, I I think it's true to some extent what we don't know or we want to believe what we don't know, you know, can't bother us. Uh, It's difficult to watch the news these days. Sometimes it's just you feel like you've got to look away. And for The fact that you have not looked away for decade after decade, that you have remained not only in the fight, uh, but on the front lines of the fight is so, so admirable. So given all that you know, given that you've seen behind the curtain, that you know big corporations have their interest in mind and not ours, given that you know, uh, you know, there are a lot of things going on that that we need to to step up uh, against. Do you remain optimistic? Do you think we're going to get to where you think we can go?
3: Absolutely. And I have more hope right now than I think I've ever had before because I'm watching people find the empowerment of themselves again and getting involved and rising up. I'll close out and I'll say it very quickly. I was born and raised in Lawrence, Kansas. I always loved the film The Wizard of Oz, but I'm fascinated with the book by L. Frank Baum, The Wizard of Oz. You know the story. Dorothy, her cast of characters, they follow the yellow brick road to get to the wizard to only find out, wow, Well, there is no wizard, or whoever the wizard may be is just in there pushing a bunch of levers, and sometimes himself doesn't know what's going on. But here is the moral to the story where I think we are. We have forgotten as people. We have a heart. We definitely have our brains, and we're often told, no, you don't, and we're finding our courage. And when we do, and I'm telling you we are there, we'll find our way back. That gives me hope
0: and you know what there's no place like home and aaron brockovich says it's up to each one of us to make sure we protect it with all we have aaron thank you so much for all you've given us your willingness to stand up to ask questions to bite down and to never let go and folks for more on the book superman's not coming or her tv series or anything you want to know about her check out aaronbrockovich.com what a great guest mark
1: You know, she really was. It's unusual in many, many ways, Bill. But, you know, we all kind of learned about her through the movie that you mentioned. And, you know, how often— does the real person live up to the the image that the, the the movie created almost never and certainly with with rare exception exceeds you know what we saw in the movie i mean aaron brockovich is the real deal uh, i'm not sure julia roberts you know d- uh, did her justice she might not have even lived up to her. and i thought you asked the best
0: question of the whole interview when you asked her about the fact that she wasn't a a high-powered attorney or a political person or someone with connections. When you look back at her story, folks, this is someone who grew up with dyslexia so severe, they put her in special ed classes in school. She had panic attacks, eating disorders, not exactly textbook qualities for leaderships, but The difference, folks, and we all need to think about this, instead of seeing herself as broken as a lot of us do for whatever faults we have, she found the courage to step forward to be the one who makes a difference. And that's in every one of us, no matter what our situation, if we care, we can make change.
1: You know, it's in every one of us especially as we get older, Bill. We talk about this all the time. We talk about the importance of adapting and accommodating. She learned how to adapt at an early age to her challenges, accommodate those challenges, and still find a way to make a difference, which is what we all have to do as we age. And, you know, what I really like about her, you know, hers is a voice we absolutely need now more than ever because, you know, a lot of us think, ah, I'm not going to go vote. What difference does it make? A lot of us, I, I have heard so many times, I've said it myself, I can't I have to look away you know I can't do anything about what's happening I can't fight the big corporations I can't do this and you know what she's telling us all is that yes we can that our voice is powerful and when we put them together we can change anything and uh, we need to hear that now more than ever
0: do you get the feeling mark that for some reason that as we age as we move into our 60s or later that we start we start to feel the weight Of things. We start thinking, well, maybe that's a battle I cannot fight, when in fact, as she said, we've got more wisdom than ever. We've got more knowledge than ever. We should be
1: out there more than ever. No, I totally agree, and and I think it's people like Aaron Brockovich that are helping all of us recapture, you know, some of the zeitgeist of the 60s and 70s when we were out there trying to make a difference. I think that's one of the great things about youth. Youth you know, believes that they can change the world. Youth believes that they can make a difference. And somehow we get that beaten out of us, you know, through middle age. Uh, but as we get older, we realize, you know what, we still have a time. We still have a voice. We have experience, as you say. So, yes, I think now more important than ever to step up and, and, and let our voices and our, our needs and desires be heard. So, folks, do you have an Aaron
0: Brokovich inside of you? Do you have an issue that you feel is very important that isn't getting the play or the attention that it should be. Be the one to step up. Make a difference, whether it's a big governmental issue, an issue in your community, something in your family, something in your relationship. Don't let things go the way they are. Step up and make a change for the better. It's how you live your best life, and it's how you start Growing Bolder. Up next, its residents had one of the highest incidents of diabetes in the country. What the town did to put a stop to it and make health a priority. This is Growing Boulder.
2: Support for Growing Boulder provided by.
0: Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at crosbywellnesscenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures.
1: Well, here's a big question. What does it take for an entire community to actually create a culture of health? Well, first, it's encouraging to know that it can be done, but only if you have all the components that it takes to inspire people to want to improve their health. It does take a huge commitment from the area leaders who have to have visible role models. There has to be access to the kinds of resources and facilities that allow people to make better choices, and ultimately it takes people in the community who are willing to make that change. Finally, it takes working together with organizations that are all dedicated to making a difference.
0: You know, it sounds like a lot, but we tell you this because not only is it possible, Mark, it's actually been done. And a community like that really should be held up as a model because this is important in every community. And that's exactly what happened when the Robert Wood Johnson Culture of Health Foundation bestowed its highest designation on a very special Central Florida community. The oldest African American incorporated town in America just achieved a brand new designation. It is my distinct privilege to announce today that Eatonville, Florida, the town that Freedom built, is one of only four communities in the entire nation to be awarded the Robert Wood
1: Johnson Foundation.
0: Robert Wood Johnson is the nation's largest philanthropy whose mission is to improve health and well-being. CEO Dr. Richard Besser explains why out of 200 communities, Eatonville was one of only four to earn the Culture of Health prize. It's recognizing that health takes place where you live and work, and where your children uh, go to school and learn and, and, and play, and where you pray.
2: All of those settings have a big impact on whether you lead a healthy life or not. And Eatonville has decided that they want the people here
0: to live as healthy a life as possible. Actually, it became a priority for town leaders when they learned the incidence of diabetes was more than twice as high there as in the rest of the country.
1: If you're an elected official, which I was a vice mayor at the time, your job is to try to improve the lives of the constituents around you. So we got... Uh, diabetes classes in 12 local churches for 18 months and that just started everybody understanding the health.
0: And when the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation began to take notice, Eatonville Mayor Eddie Cole says the whole town got behind the mission. Because
1: it started a spark that created a fire throughout our whole community to say let's be healthy in a holistic way not just in our physicals but our mental or financially. We just start looking at all ways of being healthy and we have seen some great things come from it. The most
0: important was establishing collaborations between a number of local organizations who stepped up to help.
1: The Winter Park Health Foundation and the Robert Woods Johnson Foundation understand Lifting as you climb, because that's what they're doing here. They're lifting us one community at a time, for, so that we can have a better tomorrow, so that our childrens can have a, a better future.
0: Some, like the Winter Park Health Foundation, have quite a history of making a difference there.
3: We have had programs for the last seventeen years that are dealing with providing nurses in the schools, providing mental health counselors, and providing healthy activities for the schools. So we've really been engaged in lots of different ways with the community even down to helping to support community gardens and a farmers market. The thing that I'm the proudest of is that Eatonville was in a place to be not only competitive but to win. Because this is a national award. This is something that some of the most vibrant and engaged communities in the nation are competing for. And here, Eatonville is a winner.
0: It's a great day to be in Eatonville. Uh, So thank you and another round of applause for uh, for Eatonville and all you've accomplished. Well, our hats are off to Eatonville, Florida, and its leaders who saw a serious issue, and instead of just shrugging their shoulders about it, they found a way to step up and help and actually save lives. They did it through classes and commitment and compassion, neighbor looking after neighbor, leaders looking after constituents, collaborators looking after the community. Because when everybody's focused, anything is possible. And when health is the priority of a community, that's when anything can happen.
1: I'm Mark Middleton, and here's what's on my mind today, Bill. It's uh, It's been roughly a year now since we lost Wendy Chioji, and, you know, for, for those of you who don't know of Wendy, um, you know, gosh, I think you must have to know of Wendy if you have followed Growing Boulder. Wendy worked with Bill and I you know, in local television news for for two decades or more, uh, and then she worked with us uh, on Growing Boulder. She was a collaborator. She was a friend. She was an inspiration, and, you know... In any circumstance, Wendy was a kind of person that you'd want to know. But 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 Wendy's story, unfortunately, is is a story of of battling cancer. She was a three time cancer survivor. She battled for decades, three different uh, times with cancer. The prognosis was never good. But Wendy was one who believed in getting every drop out of every day of life. She was a constant inspiration to all of us. She made the most of every moment that she had. She was in and out of clinical trials. She was, you know, on drugs and off of drugs. She was feeling good and feeling bad, but you never knew it. She just continued to work. She continued to travel. She continued to play. She continued to be a great friend. And, you know, Bill, I I, I really— I think back to that day when we all found out about it and I think we all felt the same way. We were shocked and we probably shouldn't have been because we knew the diagnosis. We could kind of see her, you know, getting weaker and weaker as the months went by. But she was so powerful, she was so inspirational, she was so committed uh to, to not complaining but, but 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 seeing the opportunity in life that I think we all thought she was gonna pull out of it.
0: Yeah, I I think the big part of, of that shock was and it's not just folks for us and the people that knew her. Wendy was able to make a connection, and that's part of what made her special. And I think her gift was we could see ourselves through her. We all imagine when we hear friends and family that contract diseases, how would I face that? What, what would that do to me? What would that be like? And I think in Wendy, we saw the best case scenario. We, we hope that that's the way we would react to facing something. We hope that we'd be able to fight the way she did. We hope that we'd be able to help others along the way, the way that Wendy did. And yeah, Mark, I think that the big shock was that the disease takes good people. It takes people that do everything right. It takes people that, that we need to be around and it's up to the rest of us to carry out their legacy. Now the burden is on us. the burden's on us to take time to talk to people that 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 need help to reach out to other people to help pull them through and She just kind of underscores that whole you know growing bolder community kind of feeling that brought all of us to this radio show to this to this growing bolder thing to each other. Because that's what it is. It's, it's a community of people that are all in this together, pulling for each other and facing whatever life has to throw at us. And it will. And it's inevitable. But we'll do it as best we can. And we'll keep that smile on our face as long as we can and keep that energy and love of life for as long as we can
1: yeah and and that 's why we 're sharing this today folks uh you know we're we 're not just kind of sharing our personal pain, but you know Wendy really did represent uh the growing boulder ethos. none of us are getting out of here alive and in a very real way. We are all facing a terminal diagnosis. And, you know, one of the last interviews we did with Wendy, she said, I'll admit, I am frustrated with some of my family uh, and some of my friends who, who don't get it. You know, they don't understand that we are all living on borrowed time. And it's important to say the things that you want to say to the people you want to say them to. It's important to make a, a difference in the lives of those that you can. And, you know, we'll forever think of Wendy on a daily basis, but, but we are thinking of About her more today, and and thank you for allowing us to share that with you.
0: And folks, do check out growingboulder.com. It's where you'll find more inspiration and motivation and the resources to live your best life possible. And we'll see you right back here on the Growing Boulder Radio program next time. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR1 itunes spotify stitcher and tune in it is written and produced by jill middleton mark middleton and bill Schaefer. technical director is jason morrow production manager is michael Nannis. chief audio engineer is mac doula and our most important team member you follow us on facebook and instagram to keep growing bolder every day
1: Crimson. Fire and flaming road Using ideas as my mouth We'll meet on edges soon Said I me deeded brow Ah, but I, I was so much older, older.